Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. Tonight is going to be challenging for me, dear listener, because the Maximum Fun Drive is taking place right now. Sleeping with Celebrities, like all shows on the network, is listener-supported. If you'd like to help me continue to make this program, now is a perfect time to do so, before you fall asleep, by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. It's the best time of year to show your support, and there are lots of perks that I'll tell you about later in the show. But now, there's a McElroy brother I should tell you about. And boy, did he bring his Z-game. So take a deep breath, lie down, or lean back, it's up to you. Take this moment to get comfy while I introduce Justin McElroy. Justin is one of the titular brothers in the podcast, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. He's also the co-host of the Sawbones podcast and one of the co-hosts of the Adventure Zone podcast, all of those found here on Maximum Fun. Before we start, I was wondering what kind of pillow you use, what kind of pillow configuration, number of pillows, fluffiness. I wish that we had decided to just talk about this for an hour because uh, I spent a long, a, li- a lifelong journey um, really mm. looking through pillows because I have what the doctors call a big head. So mm. a lot of support back there is important. Um, so I, I looked for, I had two pillows for a long time because I couldn't find one that just worked. And I tried, I mean, really everything, bamboo and down and, and everything. And I finally found one called the Pillow Cube. And it is a it is a cube-shaped pillow. Mm. And it's just the support that I need for my head. It's the first time in my life I'm sleeping with one pillow. So uh, I'm happier on the pillow front than I've ever been. I, f- I feel like I finally got to the end of that. So thrilling. Well, it's congratulations on that. Oh, thank That's you so a, much. A, a pillow cube. We've communicated through emails leading up to this mm-hmm. and and, um, and in conversations. And, and you've indicated that uh, something that you care a lot about is mm-hmm. the um, – the process of going to the Disney theme parks and uh, preferred ways to work the the ticketing system to right, kind of yeah. get the most out of your abilities. Why is this of, of such interest to you? Well, I've always been someone who enjoyed the Disney parks, but it wasn't until I had kids of my own and we were about to have our second uh, child and we had, hadn't had done Disney World with our, our first one yet, and we thought, you know, it's going to be a long time after this one is born to the second one is born before we're able to do something like that. So let's kind of mm. take a – it was almost a spur of the moment, you know, long weekend. We have a, a, a flight out of Huntington that goes direct to Orlando on one of those um, 
unnerving airlines. You know what I mean? Smaller so cheap airlines. Send, yeah, smaller. Small planes. Smaller airlines, yeah. Small planes. Um, doesn't bother me, but I know if you're, if you're a motion sick kind of person. But So we flew down there, and it was just, honestly, it was a mess. I mean, it was a mess. I was completely unprepared for mm. what I found. And I just left that experience thinking, I can do this better. I know I can do this better. How long was the flight? Uh, it's not too bad. Maybe, eh, I want to say two hours. When we travel for shows and what have you, I don't really fly out of Huntington much because it's a very small airport. Yeah. And if you miss your flight, it's one of those where, you know, that's that's the flight to Huntington for the day. Yeah. So you fly into Orlando from the Huntington Airport in West Virginia. Yeah. From Huntington to Orlando, yeah. There's two Orlando airports. There's Sanford, which is about an hour out. Uh-huh. And then there's um, MCO, which is you know the main Orlando airport. Actually, interesting. Orlando didn't have an airport of any uh, significance when uh, Disney World opened there in 1971. Really? So most of the flights were smaller. They had mm-hmm. uh, what were called stall ports, which were short takeoff and landing vehicles that would designed for short flights and a lot of people thought it was going to be the future of commuter travel were these you know short flights right so you'd go like orlando to tallahassee or whatever you'd fly into one of the bigger ones and take one of these small flights in but that got to be unsustainable as the crowds grew and eventually what orlando found was this they had a, a decommissioned air force base there called mccoy air force base and that is what they used as the basis that was the uh, what they converted into the Orlando airport. And that's why if you ever fly into Orlando and you see the um, airport code is MCO, that's uh, why it's uh, that's why it's called that, because it's McCoy, because uh, it was initially oh. McCoy Air Force Base. MCO was the distinction before it was the Orlando airport, and it just stuck. What's the airport designation for Huntington? Uh, HTS, Huntington Tri-State. Oh, that makes a lot of mm. sense. Yeah. You flew in to to MCO, to the mm-hmm. Orlando airport. Well, the um, first time, oh. flew into Sanford. Oh. We did not know there were two airports. We thought there was just the one. Oh. So we frantically started trying to find someone who would drive us. <laughs> it's to. like Dulles and National. And exactly. DC. Yes, exactly okay. like that. How did you get in? We ended up, I think, calling a, they had a shuttle service. So it worked out okay. Where I shot myself in the foot with this first Disney trip was I did not plan ahead. I didn't start early enough. Mm. It's really something you have to start ideally a year out, six months, I mean, at the most. Why does it take so much planning? Well, first off, the spaces at the resorts tend to fill up. If you, and there are certain rooms that are more choice than other rooms there are certain hotels that are they call deluxe resorts that are really the pricey ones there are like value ones like art of animation or things like that they're a lot less expensive but if you're not planning on spending a lot of time in the hotel room maybe that's not a big deal Mm. but those really you have to book early if you want like there's some that have better view of the fireworks every night from magic kingdom i see you want to book early enough to get the places you want and that the six months used to be when you could make dining reservations. They've now changed that to 60 days throughout the resort. Oh, I see. Presumably your subsequent trip or trips went better? 
Yes. We eventually joined the sort of like Disney timeshare, which they call the Disney Vacation Club. Oh. With some other friends. Tell me more about the Disney Vacation Club. You basically are buying a very small portion of the Disney World Resort, and you get basically points that you can use to book certain rooms in the in the resort itself. They have fewer amenities, like not cleaned as often and things like that. Mm. But um, they are, you know, you can use points for them. And it's like a typical thing where if you don't use the points every year, you can bank them or, you know, you don't want to let those expire. People sell points and loan points to other people, that kind of deal. Does it limit when you can go to Disney? Well, th- this is actually kind of plays into the earliness of the planning. Mm. There are windows at Disney World that are more crowded than others, typically. Oh. The busiest days are holidays, actually. Christmas is the busiest right. uh, day at Disney World. I've never really understood wanting to spend Christmas Day at the park, but I can understand if maybe it started to be a tradition for you early on. It's one you stuck with, Mm. but um, that's the busiest day. So if you, if you're trying to book around that time of year, also summer is, is a big, is a big one. Spring breaks are obviously really, really hard. Big crowds. It's been, it's been um, harder since the pandemic because of where the park was shut down for so long, for a while and crowds were limited. There were, I think there was like people who had been putting off trips, you know, trying to go at different, at different times. So the crowd calendars were a little, are a little screwy right now, but there's still, you know, you can usually do pretty well in like late August, early September, most of September when school's back in session, if you can make that Mm. work. Um, Mm. January, February, those early spring months are usually pretty good windows, but you use more points on your room if you book during those busy times of year. So if you book around Easter or Christmas when rooms are really in demand, you're going to spend more more points for those. Sure, sure. How many points do you get? There's like a price that you – so you buy a certain number of points and then you use those points. Um, the I more see. points you buy, you know, you accumulate points and then you can – those renew automatically – every year Mm. but once you own the points you know you can use them once a year i wouldn't say it's necessarily a relaxing vacation certainly not for me maybe for other people in my family but i enjoy the satisfaction i get from planning a trip well so is it more of an adventure vacation than a than a calming get your wits together kind of thing yeah except just like that, except I want to limit the adventure as much as humanly possible. I want to keep it completely in my control. Tell me more about that. Well, the dining reservations are a good example. There's lots of restaurants at Disney World, and they vary from table service, which are your more upscale restaurants like um, Be Our Guest over at the Beast's Castle. Yeah. And then there's a few at Epcot in the World Pavilion, like Le Cellier, which is a steakhouse. And there's um there's one five-star restaurant in the park called Victoria and Albert's over at the Grand Floridian. Those are a little more upscale. And if you, if you want to eat in the park, you really need to plan ahead of time. So you could go and say, you know, I'm just going to see where I can get a table, but I don't like to leave things to chance like that, especially when you're traveling with little kids. They can't exactly 
just kind of chill, you know, and go with the flow. They're bad at that. They want to eat chicken nuggets when they want to eat chicken nuggets. Yeah. So having the, the things planned that I know will go according to plan is very, is very comforting to me. I get a great deal of satisfaction from that. And how old are your kids? They're four and eight. Hmm. How important is it to have the sit down reservations at a restaurant? I would go so far as to say they would prefer one of the like walk up and get a, uh, a, a, you know, something like, um, uh, you know, the, the cosmic rays, uh, starlight cafe, that kind of vibe where it's like, you know, you just walk up to the counter and order what you want. The nice thing about the dinner reservations or dining reservations for us is that it gives a window where we know we're going to be sitting down, taking a break, I see. letting the kids rest a little bit. So that for me, the heat can get really overbearing, um, or the rain, if that's a factor. So having some times where, you know, you're going to be indoors and seated and have access to, you know, water and things like that is, is nice to have. We don't always use those, uh, reservations. Sometimes we get caught up with other things. Um, but I like knowing that they are, they are there. You mentioned going to the BR guest cafe, which I think is, is uh, a reference to the movie beauty and the beast. You must be a Disney nut. Well, I've seen that movie. I, I have. You remember the beast from it. Yeah, yeah. I have kids of, of my own, mm-hmm. and I'm a former kid. Me too, actually. I wonder, you know, there's several characters in that film that have been transformed into other things. There's yeah. Someone has been turned into a clock. Someone has been turned into a candlestick. There is a, a, a mother and son who've been turned into a teapot and cup. John, if you're about to ask about the toilet, I'd rather n- not no, discuss. No. Okay, okay. Hello, sleepyheads. As I mentioned earlier, before we started the show, this is the maximum fun drive that we are going through right now. If you're still awake, I would like to ask you to support this show, Sleeping with Celebrities. I want to personally ask you for your support. We're going to get right back into the show in just a few moments, but now is the time to go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Senior producer and editor Laura Swisher is here. And Laura, welcome. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, John. It's very exciting to be back. Restrain yourself because we are, we do have a job here to do, and it's a tricky job. We have to get people to act now and become members of Sleeping with Celebrities, but then also to relax and get ready for sleep. It's a it's it's a it's a tight wire that we have to very softly walk in in uh, slippers. Actually, John, I'm wearing UGG boots. I would say, in terms of the tightrope, all you have to do is explain to people why now is the best time of year to support the shows. John, why don't you tell people what they can get uh, at the at our starter level, which is $5 a month. At the $5 a month level, you have access to Sleeping with Celebrities bonus content, an episode that is available only to members of the show. It is called A Snowy Spring Nature Walk, and you join me as I traipse around through the snows of Minnesota and share with you some nature facts about what I'm observing. Nature facts that, whether they're true or not, you don't need to worry about it. 
but it might make you sleepy, and that's what's good. But we can offer more than just a show, more than bonus content, more than a narrated walk through a snowy springtime in Minnesota. At the $10 a month level, they're going to get the uh, nature walk from you, as well as any of the other bonus content, and they also will be able to have a a sticker there are 37 maximum fun uh stickers one for each show designed by tom deja and the sticker for sleepy with celebrities is someone falling asleep on a cloud and there's a crescent moon kind of cradling the cloud and it's quite lovely and the great thing about these stickers is that they're restickable. So maybe one day you feel like sticking the Sleeping with Celebrity sticker on a phone and then you're like, eh, I, I kind of want it on my laptop. Guess what? You can go ahead and do that. Okay. At the $20 a month level, you can choose between the Max Fun Culinary Kit or a lovely embroidered rocket hat. What's in the kit? It comes with a 2023 Max Fun cookbook designed by Tom Deja, featuring all new recipes thoughtfully submitted by your favorite Max Fun chef. You know, I have I have a recipe in that cookbook. Oh, okay. Tell me about yours. Well, you know, Laura, I live in the Upper Midwest, and I thought it would be good to offer what we in the Upper Midwest sometimes refer to as a salad. My particular salad is made with Cool Whip and marshmallows and pistachio pudding mix and crushed pineapple. And um, my wife and I, when we've been making this for over 20 years, we've been making this dish, we've referred to it as marshmallow crappy. And so when we go over to a friend's house in a potluck kind of situation, as is often the case in the upper Midwest, we uh, we are often called upon when invited. Well, we're inviting you to the potluck, and will you bring marshmallow crappy? And we always say, yes, of course, we will bring the marshmallow crappy. And this is a, a recipe on how to make marshmallow crappy. It could not be simpler. It goes container by container, and you dump everything into a big bowl and stir. So yeah, that sounds amazing. So you can get the uh, the crappy salad and you know lots of other stuff. I haven't even had a chance to go through them all. But in addition to that, you'll get a special jar of uh, uh, spices. So that's really cool. Well, guess what? We're gonna continue on with this culinary theme for thirty five dollars a month. You can get the maximum yum yum apron for all your cooking purposes. It's uh, it's super cute. You can find a level that works for you. Find a gift that works for you. We have so much to offer. Restickable stickers. Bonus content of a walk in the snow. Uh, we have the the Maximum Yum apron, the Max Fun Family Cookbook, the jar of spices created just for Maximum Fun listeners. To see all the different levels, just head to MaximumFun.org slash join and... Um... Let me duck out, John, and let you go back to the show. And now, back to Justin McElroy. I was just about to ask him which of the characters in Beauty and the Beast he related to the most. Here's what Justin had to say. Gosh, I think I like Cogsworth. The clock. Yeah, he's kind of a warrior. 
likes to keep everything on schedule, which I mean, we've established is pretty, pretty much my MO over here. So okay, I, I think, I think probably Cogsworth. Cogsworth is also not willing to upset the beast, even if it means him being permanently in prison as a clock. That's how far he'll go to avoid an awkward conversation. And I, that I definitely can relate to. Mm. What do you like to eat at the dining experiences? Oh boy. There's so many um, wonderful meals. We went to, to secure a table at Be Our Guest once. And part of the the dessert is that they bring you the gray stuff. What's gray stuff? You know, in the song, try the gray stuff. It's delicious. Don't believe me. Ask the dishes. Is it yogurt? I would call it sort of a cookies and cream mousse. It's like a cookies and cream mousse. Yeah. Oh. That is that is how I would describe the gray okay. stuff. Okay. Do you ever do the thing where you make ice cream soup? Oh boy, I used to love that. That was my favorite one of my favorite episodes of Pee Wee's Playhouse is his snack of the day was he made ice cream soup. It may have been the first one actually. I remember Randy ended up ruining it by putting too much chocolate syrup in it. Wow. That is my preferred method of eating ice cream when I have to. Yeah. If I'm gonna eat ice cream, I care a lot less about the cream itself than the bits. Mm. I I can't eat an ice cream without bits. I, I feel like bits ice cream without bits is kind of wasted. So I like with ice cream soup, it almost becomes more of an ice cream stew when you have the bits because then it's a little bit, you know, chunkier. I, I dig that. You can't yeah. beat, though, the bite um, uh, when you have a drumstick, the cone that has the chocolate mm. in the bottom, and then you eat the mm. whole cone, and then the cone has a little bit of the chocolate at the bottom. And I said one time that they should just sell the cone bottoms and it, it turns out that somebody was doing that where you could just buy a bag full of cone bottoms filled with chocolate. Mm. When I was younger, my parents would sometimes buy ice milk. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Well, according to my sister, my sister's two and a half years older than me and her name's Elizabeth. She said, well, you, there are two steps. You have to chop it with your spoon and make sure to get all the way to the bottom of the bowl on your chops. And it's almost like you're trying to aerate mm. the thing. The intention of that is to loosen it, said Elizabeth. We sometimes called her Lisbeth. We still do, but her name's Elizabeth. It's spelled with an S. And once it's sufficiently chopped, that's when the stirring begins. Because if mm. you try to do it before then, you're just, you're going to be rotating the product within the bowl. Yeah. My kids like when it snows, get big bowls of snow and then add sweeteners to it to make a sort of ice, you know, like a snow cream, they call it. Oh, so sometimes we'll have a big bowl of snow and then we'll have, um, uh, add some coffee creamer. That's good. Some like, you know, if I have like a pumpkin coffee creamer, we have snow cone syrups on hand. So sometimes we'll do like a, a, a snow cone and sometimes I, I'll think to myself, wow, you've really given them a huge bowl full of snow. And I think, oh, you guys don't need that much snow. And then I have to remind myself, this is, it's water. It is just water. It's water. Yeah. Do they have a variety of flavored coffee creamers at Walt Disney World in Orlando? So most of the parks do have a Starbucks in them now. Okay. So most of the Starbucks, the other line 
that they do business with is called Joffrey's. They also have coffee stands. I've never been clear if Joffrey's is owned by Disney World or if it's just a company that they work with, but they have a variety of creamers throughout the the year, you know, some seasonal ones. I'm sure there's a pumpkin offering right now, things like that. Right. If I could talk about the the ride reservation system at length. I would like to hear about the ride reservation system. Okay, good. So um, there used to be a system called, as we all know, when the park started, they had lettered tickets, A, B, C, D, and E ticket was the, was the best. And the different tickets would cost different amounts of money. And that was how, when the park opened, that's, that's how it worked. So you'd pay more to ride the better rides. And that system has been modified um, many times over the years. Um, and the current system, which is replacing the fast pass system previously is called uh, lightning lanes. And the way lightning lanes work uh, is that there's a system, another system that's sort of adjacent to lightning lanes called genie plus and genie is a service that you can use on your Disney app that will make suggestions as to what rides would be ideal for you to go to right now. Things like the, the, the lines are unusually short at this time of day. This might be worth going to. So if if you get the Genie Plus pack, which I think is fourteen ninety nine per day, you used to be able to buy it in advance, but now you have to buy it on the day of. You can make reservations um, for for one ride at a time in a certain time window. So you come back between ten and ten fifteen, and we will let you into this very short line, and you'll basically you know get get right onto the ride. Um, so do you use these? two systems uh, in concert with one another so you can see where the line is shorter and then make a reservation to make it shorter still? Yes, right. So you would make the reservation ahead of time um, so there would not be a line. The The recommendations are more when you don't already have a reservation, here's something that might be good for you to, to try. And then uh, there are certain really new rides where there's what's called a virtual queue. And that is at 7 a.m. and 1 p.m. during the day, they will open up a virtual line, which you'll join on your phone, and that will give you a boarding group. And when your boarding group is called, that's when you return to the ride. That's for things like Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind, and formerly Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. The really high, high interest rides to keep people from waiting four hours, they do these virtual boarding groups. Okay. Like... um. Like with Southwest Airlines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay. And then you can also pay an additional charge for certain rides called individual lightning lanes. And those you pay to, to get a spot on um, and skip the line. There, are not, there used to be more rides like that. And now I think there's just a, a handful of... Um, there's an avatar ride that people are just gaga for over in the animal kingdom. And oh. that one flight flight of passage, it's called that one fills up pretty quick. So I think that's when you can pay to ride. And the guardians ride of course is very, is a, is a premium uh, ride right now. When you're, when you're standing in one of the lines, mm -hmm. um, because I think even these shorter lines or these lightning lanes, as you describe them, uh, probably still involves some standing in a line. Yeah. What do you do? Um, well, 
you know, mainly it's trying to keep my kids entertained by pointing to things in their room and saying, look at that, or look at that. And I say, look at that thing. So that that's uh, a way to kill a little time. There are also um, on the Disney Play app, which is sort of a companion app for the parks, uh, in addition to the official companion app for the parks, you can play little games uh, while you're waiting in lines. It's geolocating, so it sees what ride you're waiting for, and it'll ask you some trivia about that that ride or let you compete in a trivia contest. I know Soren does this, the which is like replicating flight with a big screen and moving seats. Um, Soren does this where they'll put you into a trivia contest against other people in line, and your team tries to beat the other teams in trivia while you're waiting. That's fun. I imagine that gets uh, emotional sometimes. It does. I mean, if you've been in a line long enough, you just really, really need a win. And, um, you know, that could be the bump you need to just keep you keep you uh, moving on. Mm. Um, how long is a day at the park with your children? With my children... It is typically starting as early as I can get people moving. Um, there are many ways you can get to the parks from, from the hotels. Um, there are some on the monorail line, the um, Contemporary, the Polynesian, and the Grand Floridian are all on the monorail line. So you can ride the monorail directly to the Magic Kingdom there. So that makes the morning start a little earlier, maybe around like nine or so. Mm -hmm. um, we do not typically close the park out. They just can't can't hang with it. It's a long. So day. I would say typically, you know, ten to six for us is is usually about does it for people who don't know the first popular monorail to be built in the United States was built for the 1962 World's Fair in Seattle, hmm. and it is still operational today. It goes from downtown Seattle to a neighborhood called the Seattle Center, which is away from downtown. I'm from the Seattle area, but this was built before I was born. Mm -hmm. um, it's a smooth ride, isn't it, Justin? Mm -hmm. It is. It's nice. Um, it's sort of a, an iconic image to see the monorail uh, glide around the parks. Um, they recently opened something called the Skyliner, which is um, sort of like you, uh, not unlike a chairlift, I think. I, there are words for these, but it's like the chains where they have like little carts um, hanging down, like hanging on a suspended line. And then the line travels in a, in a circle around the park. Um, and, and you can take a Skyliner to, to um, some of the resorts. Um, and that's that's a relatively new thing past past few years. Um, you know, you mentioned the World's Fair. It got me thinking about uh, the uh, Carousel of Progress, mm. which is a, a really fascinating ride. Um, it uh, it was is the only ride at Walt Disney World that Walt himself was actually involved with creating because the original show was created uh, for the 1964 World's Fair, a couple years after the 62 World's Fair, as you can probably figure out there. So, yeah. um, and then it was, it was moved to um, Disneyland from there. 
Uh, and it is a, to describe it briefly, it is a, uh, a show where you sit down in a theater and you see a, a tip, you know, a typical American family uh, throughout the past century. So you'll, and they talk about the new, it's all animatronics and they talk about the new innovations of that time period. So you check in within them at like 1920s, 1940s, 1960s. And then there's a modern, modern thing where people are with, uh, you know, in the, in the not too distant future. But what's interesting is the seats are in a large ring around a central stage and the ring with all the seats in it is actually what circumnavigates the stage in the center. So it's the, the it's the theater that's moving around the stage itself. Um, thus the actually, carousel. Yeah, thus the carousel. It's actually the longest running stage show in the history of American theater. The wow. carousel of progress. Yeah, it's fascinating. They just recently updated the, they have to constantly update the future uh, segment so it doesn't start seem completely outdated. So they'll, they just, uh, uh, revamp the clothes, uh, in that last scene to make them a little more modern. I can tell you're as excited as me about the maximum fun drive. I'm so excited. I can barely contain myself, but I am because I'm a professional, John. Laura, we've been hearing a lot, even in the the few weeks since we launched Sleeping with Celebrities, we've been we've been hearing from listeners. I I heard from somebody who said that they that they fell asleep and dreamed about being in their kitchen making bagels with Neil Gaiman. the uh, The Neil Gaiman episode has has gathered a lot of attention from from a lot of listeners. We even heard in actual sound from some of our listeners, including our listener, Tina from Seattle. I had terrible insomnia last night, and this very episode was the thing that finally escorted me to sleep. The best thing is that I didn't hear the whole thing. All I know about Neil Gaiman's process of something is that Kiefer is involved. Sometime after I heard John murmur, wheat barley i was down i was gone it's it's brilliant the conspiratorial sleepy voices of host and guest are the sweetest um <clears throat> maybe someday i'll hear the whole thing i would like to but i don't know man not at night i probably won't what i love about max fun is that i get to hear a great idea that if i instantly go i get it i love it we can do that. But if I worked for a huge media conglomerate, what are the odds that they would say, oh, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Run with it. If, if I may break character just a little bit from my soothing uh, sleeping with celebrities voice, it's true. There aren't there aren't any organizations. I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna say many. There aren't any organizations beside Maximum Fun where I can say I've got this idea where I bring on famous people and have them talk about uninteresting things. And and then everybody in the network suddenly got excited about this idea. And then we made the show. 
this is the only place where this happens. This is one of the things that's special about Maximum Fun. And if you're listening to this show, you're probably uh, of a, a similar stripe of mind as people around here. And I think that's that's a good reason for you to be supporting what we do. If I may break character just a little bit from my soothing uh sleeping with celebrities voice it's true there aren't there aren't any organizations i'm going to i'm not even going to say many there aren't any organizations beside maximum fun where i can say i've got this idea where i bring on famous people and have them talk about uninteresting things and and then everybody in the network suddenly got excited about this idea and then we made the show this is the only place where this happens. This is one of the things that's special about Maximum Fun. And if you're listening to this show, you're probably uh, of a, a similar stripe of mind as people around here. And I think that's that's a good reason for you to be supporting what we do. We rely on listeners. And that's why we're coming to you now. So before you fall asleep, just on your phone, maybe as you're lying in bed, you know, it's it's not good to spend a lot of time on your phone before bed, but for right now, it's okay. You go to MaximumFun.org slash join, and you'll sleep better knowing that you became a member of Sleeping with Celebrities. And now, back to our show. I asked Justin McElroy if the Carousel of Progress was one of the regular Disney World attractions he liked to visit on his family's trips. Here's what Justin had to say. There are, it's, it's, it's part of a class of what I would call, and this is kind of a cute nickname I picked up from uh, my wife and kids. It's boring rides. Um, Uh They're just boring ones that only I like. Um, They make me feel nostalgic. Uh, Things like um, this is boring. Um, Hall of Presidents, of course, is extremely boring. Sure. Um, and that's one that I, I've only managed to talk them into once. Uh, Hall of Presidents uh, is, is a tough sell. What family. happens there? Well, what happens there is you go into a large theater and you are presented with um, 46 dudes who are animatronic and mm. they stand on stage and you get like a, there's a, like a little movie about how much America rules and then the, the movie screen goes away and behind it you see the 46 presidents of the United States in animatronic form. You hear some quotes from them and uh, that's the Hall of Presidents. Are you in a car? It's just a theater. There's no moving parts in this one. It's really just a, a show um, that you watch. I think the capacity is something like 700. But there will usually be a good number of people in there, especially if it's a hot day. People, you know, there's no line to get into the Hall of Presidents. I love rides like that. I love um, – there's a ride at the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot in the World Showcase called the – it used to be just like a Mexico-themed boat, dark ride in a boat. And now it has, a, has been themed to the Three Caballeros um, with, you know, Donald Duck and – Some uh, other, other birds. birds. Yeah, yeah, some other birds. Um but and but the, the everyone wanted to make that a Coco ride, but Coco came out just right after they revamped it, so I don't think they were in a rush to remodel the whole thing again. I see. Do you remember what the lesser known presidents say in the Hall of Presidents? Tyler or Taylor? Hilariously, I thought they all talked until I saw it for the very first time recently, and not all of them talk. Some of them they just sort of like 
breeze over it. They just sort of just pass right by your pole because then you're tired. There's not a lot of time spent on them. Okay. I will say that um, Andrew Jackson looks really cool. He looks like the, he's wearing this like uh, white coat, and he looks like David Bowie. It's just like I don't know. He just looks cool in the in the in the ride. Which president talks the most? Biden gets the longest. Whoever the current sitting president is is sort of centered in the stage. And then they they give like a little a little speech at the end. So that that's the one that usually gets the most. The second to that is um, uh, Abraham Lincoln has his own little bit. Yeah, he gets a lot of attention. Yeah, he really does. Which I mean, it, it makes sense. He was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Disneyland in California uh, because I'm from the West Coast, but now I live in in the upper Midwest, I live in Minnesota where we have the state fair Mm -hmm. and everyone in my family has developed a, a circuit that they need to do at the fair for the fair to become a fully realized experience. Okay. So for me, I need to see the crop art because, um, my my wife and my daughters enter the crop art competition regularly where you make yeah. art out of the the um native crops of Minnesota so is uh, this like a making a small scale piece using crops as like materials or this is like patterns you've drawn into crops like crop circle i can see justin how it could be confusing the crop artists who compete like my wife use the crops themselves to make the art. It's the materials. Mm-hmm. It's art that can be hung on a wall gotcha. or even placed in a gallery if it's good enough. Mm-hmm. We're talking about seeds, flax, rye, wheat, barley, yep. corn, soybeans, yep. navy or lima or kidney Various field beans, mm-hmm. pinto beans, field peas, millets, mm-hmm. common buckwheat, safflower, sorghum, mm-hmm. sugar beet, Sudan grass, wild grasses, mm-hmm. various common forage grasses like timothy, bluegrass, born grass, clovers. Mm. lentils uh my wife has been doing this for a long time and she can take months to work on a piece to then hang at the state fair you should tell her about pumpkin seeds they're big another attraction on my list of attractions at the minnesota state fair is the dairy barn and justin this is a this is a really special place to me Mm -hmm. because it's where Artists create sculptures of the dairy pageant princesses, the participants in the pageant. Um, The pageant is known as the Princess K of the Milky Way pageant. And the sculptors will create sculptures of these young women out of enormous blocks of butter. God, I'm glad that that happens. I'm really just glad that that exists. As am I. Um, Butter art is 
is really one of the best things to observe the final product or observe the, the sculpting. You know, Minnesota is known for the number of lakes that we have, but we also have some of the finest butter sculptors mm. in, in the upper Midwest. Arguably, they may be even more impressive than the butter cow sculptors known in Iowa. <laughs> you don't want to get me started on the Iowa State Fair because this is a, a family-friendly show. <laughs> anyway, I go to the dairy barn and I always get a malt at the dairy barn. Mm, I love a malt. I love a malt. A good malt. I I go to the Miracle of Birth Center where farm animals are being born and then I regret going there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's an all-you-can-drink milk stand for $2, all the milk you can drink. That I actually know that number. It's not so much, not too much. <laughs> not not, not much. very much. Not very much. Not as much as I used to, certainly. What are the items in your circuit at Walt mm. Disney World? For me, there's a, a, a nightly fireworks show that I try to watch with the girls at least once. That's always really nice. We don't usually manage to do it in the parks proper, but you can see them from a long way away. And they pipe the music to, you know, all around the resort. So anywhere you can sort of see the fireworks, you can hear the soundtrack, which is a big part of the, the effect. I really like riding. There's this terrible ride called Journey Into Your Imagination starring Eric Idle and uh figment and is who's a little purple dragon uh, and it's been around since the almost the inception of epcot not quite but it's a ride about how incredible your imagination is and they've um they've remodeled it since the original version that i went to as a kid but i have enough fond memories of that version that i still subject myself to the new version every year i'm not sure what that says about me probably something mm. i like after my kids have gone to sleep sometimes my wife and i will like some of the rooms have these very tiny balconies. There's just enough room for like two chairs and we'll sit out there and uh, listen to people and music um, while, while our kids are sleeping, you know, quiet moments like that, that let me sort of recharge a little bit. It's always satisfying to have a big win, get a big dining reservation at the last minute, things like that. that are always very gratifying. And I also like buying, uh, there's a line of, of uh, snacks made by goofy. <laughs> it's like generic Disney World type snacks. I like buying some like, uh, you know, you ever have the popcorn that's like multiple colors, like yeah, like confetti popcorn. I love yeah. to have some confetti popcorn there. I'm wild about that stuff. What do you think it says about you that that you like the confetti popcorn? That I am someone who likes to stop and savor experiences because if you throw a big handful of the confetti popcorn in your mouth, if it's the good stuff, that's different flavors, it's just going to be a mishmash. If you take the time to really enjoy each piece, you get a whole different range of flavors. Not like Fruit Loops. You know, Fruit Loops are all the same flavor. That was a hard one. Do you think you're a good father? Hmm. I think that if you compare me to the average dad, I am probably above the average of of parent. But a, a lot of that is really. Uh, my my situation i'm fortunate enough to that i i'm able to work out of my home which allows me a lot of time to spend with my kids um and i th and i'm a big believer that that is the number one thing 
to do for children is just to be be with them. So in 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 that sense, I feel like I I am. Um, but from the metric of my own, you know, the the standards I hold myself to, I feel like I fail those pretty pretty regularly. So I I don't know if that that's not really an answer. I guess it is. How important is proper footwear when going to a Disney park? It is absolutely essential. It has to be something that has good arch support if that's a concern for you. And I feel like you have to have socks. And this is not the day to break in a new pair of, of shoes. No one, no one cares how you look at Disney World. I mean, truly nobody. Because everyone, no one wants you to go in there and raise the standard of of clothing right to to where they all feel self-conscious about themselves they want to have fine table dining while they're wearing a, a big johnson t-shirt and you know jams uh, so uh but comfortable footwear is really is very very key um sunscreen is massive you don't want to go in day one and and i mean i endorse this for every uh, for everybody all the time but you know make sure you, you hit the sunscreen because it gets brutal down there um, yeah. The other thing I'd recommend too, just on that front, uh, I buy um, a like ten pack of ponchos off Amazon, and I have them like or wherever, and I have them shipped ahead to the place that we're staying, because if the rain picks up, all of a sudden, you know, all the stores reach underneath their counter and pull out the big like, you know. Uh, tiny threadbare uh, uh, ponchos for $20 that you can buy. So I just throw a few in the backpack and you end up, you know, you got one on hand, you're ready for the rain if it comes and you didn't have to spend, you know, $40 to, to get some disposable ponchos for your, for your family. So that's a, that's a tip that I always try to recommend to people. When you arrive at your hotel room, have they placed them in the room or do you need to go to the front desk and ask if any well, ponchos have been delivered? If you, um, if you, if you, uh, get to there and you want it brought to your room, you are going to pay a fee to have them bring your box of ponchos so that you're starting to eat in on your profits from, yeah. from, from ordering your ponchos. So I would recommend making your own way down to the front desk and say, excuse me, do you have any Amazon boxes that have been delivered? And then just a brief three hours later, they'll be back with your, your specific Amazon package. Justin, I'd like to ask you for your top five tips for visiting Disney World but I need to clarify something rather important. Mm -hmm. The theme park is actually called Walt Disney World. Uh, that's uh, 100% true. Um, Roy, who was Walt's brother, who really is the, I mean, he is the one that made Disney World, uh, Walt Disney World happen. Right. Um, and Disney passed away, obviously, before the park opened. So Roy wanted to insist on calling the park Walt Disney World. So that people uh, would always know, you know, helped help to craft even more of a legacy for, about his brother, um, his brother. Yeah. yeah. There has been talk before that they that that might be that might change at some point. I don't think the world is in any danger of forgetting Walt Disney. Maybe we don't need to call this Walt Disney World. Maybe it could just be Disney World. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people will have some very strong feelings about it. No it, doubt. Besides 
having ponchos delivered, what are your other four main tips for Disney World travel? Hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't make more than one reservation for dining in a day. Um, I think that you could spend too much time, despite what I've said already, I think you can spend too much time in the whole sit down eating thing. Um, so I would stick to one dining reservation. Uh -huh. um, a, a big one for me is anyone who's traveling. And this is really to relieve some of my stress as a planner. Anyone who might be traveling with us, sometimes I'm the planner for like, um, we've gone with my brothers and their family and that starts to balloon out to, you know, 20 people or, or whatever. And trying to plan for that kind of group is rough. So I like to ask everybody what their number one experience they want to have is. And then I find that if you, if you plan that way where, you know, you start there and try to prioritize everyone's number one experience, then you start to realize maybe that like no one really wanted to go on jungle cruise, you know, maybe you didn't need to spend 70 minutes in line yeah. uh, for, for jungle cruise. And you got to watch out. Sometimes you think those old rides are going to be the, the quick lines, but there's uh rides like Peter Pan's flight, which is, in my opinion, not that not that great. It's a suspended oh. dark ride, but oh. um, it's charming. But uh, you'll usually end up waiting 65, 70 minutes for it. And it's because the capacity is so much lower on that ride. It's much older and the capacity is slower. So they can't get as many people. I see. So yeah. I, in my opinion, that one's not really worth it. I feel the same way about Jungle Cruise. I don't want to stand out in the sun for 20 minutes to have, um, you know, a college student bark bad puns at me. Like I'm, I'm no, good. I'm no, good. I have TikTok. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot. So prior, so finding one priority for each person, I think is 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 really good. Um, yeah. I mean, hydration is obvious, but um, it's it's huge. Uh, also, uh, I tend to tell people to. Uh, uh, avoid going to magic kingdom on monday i don't know why this is but it is famously much busier at magic kingdom on a monday hmm. i would have thought saturday i think that's people who are beginning a week-long trip and they start at the most popular park which hmm. happens to be magic kingdom so i tried to avoid magic kingdom on a monday by hydration Huge. you mean you mean water right i do i think water uh is is really important uh, to drink a lot of water is key. All right. That's good advice. Oh, uh, also there's some rides that are better at night. Um, like uh, a lot of the, some of the exterior roller coasters, I'm thinking specifically here, things like Expedition Everest over in the Animal Kingdom or uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in the Magic Kingdom. Um, those are really beautiful at night, so it can be worth tracking down. Like um, my kids and I sometimes watch ride videos, which is like a first person perspective of being on the ride. And then sure. I'll put them into a laundry basket and try to emulate the movements that they're seeing on TV. We used to do like quarantine Disney days where we would try to replicate, like I have a Mickey shaped waffle maker and I would make the kids like Mickey shaped waffles. And then um, there's a cookie chase during the holidays where in Epcot, where you go to the different nations that are represented in the world showcase, there are these pavilions and like there's a Germany pavilion and there's a Morocco pavilion and there's a Mexico pavilion. And, um, there are different holiday treats. And, um, one of the things you can do is a cookie chase where you go to like five buy five different cookies all over the world. 
Oh, and then the bonus, if you get all five of those cookies and they stamp your little passport, the prize you get is another cookie, <laughs> which More is the cookies. last thing that you feel like at that point. But we replicated the cookie chase with my wife and I uh, running from room to room and putting on regional garb, whatever was appropriate oh. for us. We didn't want to get too far out of our lane. So there's a lot of like time in, in Norway and Germany and what have you. But then, you know, we would have Oreos or whatever cookies that we had in the house when we tried to replicate the Disney experience that way. Justin, you've really demystified the Disney World family vacation for me. I imagine that at the end of a full day of rides, at Walt Disney World, and after watching the last of the park's fireworks display, I, I can imagine you find yourself ready to just crawl into bed and place your head on a cubed pillow. Oh, John, John, you know I travel with the cube pillow. I found the perfect pillow. I'm never letting it out of my sight. Thank you for sleeping with us, and as always, good night. Good night, John. Well, sleepyheads. I hope you enjoyed learning about visiting Walt Disney World as much as I did. One thing I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things I experienced and or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to make a, a list out loud here of some of the takeaways from my conversation with Justin while they're still fresh in my mind. Dinner reservations are an almost problematically big deal in these parks. There is a right Orlando airport and a wrong Orlando airport. Condolences to those working at the wrong one. That can't be easy. For some reason, the busiest day of the week at the Magic Kingdom isn't Saturday, but Monday. No one can explain this. Walt Disney World is no place for fancy attire. Save your fine linens for Sea World. And it rains a lot in Florida, so order a bunch of ponchos to be delivered to your hotel. You don't want to buy ponchos at the park. Okay, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and with Justin McElroy. And if you haven't done so already, this is the perfect time to join Sleeping With Celebrities here during our annual Max Fun Drive. Our show, like all the shows on the Maximum Fun Network, operates through a listener-supported model, a public radio-style model. The only way this program can exist is if people become members, if people donate, if people help us, if people support the show that they're listening to. If you're enjoying our program, and I think you probably are, now is the time to become a member so that we can keep it going. Just go to MaximumFun.org join to become a member. It won't take long. We have many wonderful thank you gifts to offer you. Some of them quite silly. All of them delightful. MaximumFun.org slash join. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Twitter and TikTok under the handle Sleep With Celebs. Our Instagram handle is Sleep W Celebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs 
at MaximumFun.org. This program was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. We get social media assistance from Charlie Moe. Our music was made by the Winterbowers. This is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Night-night. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist-owned. Audience-supported.